Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first post-game edition of The Real Forno Show. As you saw last night at the two-minute warning, we went live on Climbing the Pockets YouTube channel talking about the game. Today, we're going to go a little more in-depth. We're going to talk about the winners. We're going to talk about the losers. And we're going to talk about Kirk Cousins being ranked at 99 on the NFL's Top 100. We have a lot of fun things to get to. While I'm drinking my delicious Lake Monster Brew, welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Writer at NBC Sports Edge. Contributor at USA Today's Vikings Wire. Sports Illustrated's All Seahawks. And founder of Substack Run and Shooter. As well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Dave, Vikings football is back, my man. We have real live football against a, a different team to discuss here tonight, and I am excited. We've got Mary, Dan, Brian all active in the chat already. We are fired up and ready to go. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing great today. It's Monday. It was a busy weekend. It was great to watch Vikings football, and it'll be even better tonight as we look back after you know the instant reaction and the overreaction has cooled down a bit and we get a little bit more perspective on what we saw. Absolutely. And there's really a lot to talk about here, and we are going to start at the top. Um, if you listened to the Common Man program today for five questions, well, actually three, but so- five sounds like more than four, that <laughs> segment at the top of the 1 o'clock hour, you heard them discuss my piece that I released for the Vikings Wire today with my biggest winners and losers. And we're going to start with the my two biggest winners of the day, Dave. And that would be Kenne Wongwu and Ty Chandler. Now, a friend of the network, Matthew Collar, uh, really equated the Alexander Madison quote-unquote hate to being bored during the preseason and just trying to find any narrative to run with. I understand where he's coming from because that is a common thing. But the things that we're knocking Madison for are things that have been issues for him for his entirety of his career. And not being able to see the whole, having narrow-minded tunnel vision and not being able to utilize his abilities to hit the hole and explode through it. We're not talking about a new revelation here. And now we have two guys behind him who have the ability to see the hole, react quickly, explode through it, and get yards. Yes, was it against subpar competition? Sure. That translates no matter who's lining up in front of you. And Alexander Madison, I really think, needs to needs to be aware of these guys behind him because he is in one of the worst spots in football. A mid-round pick on the last year of his contract, making more than the minimum, and no guarantees left. Now, Dave, I saw you kind of be like, wait, hold on. Look, if you have the ability to see the hole and explode through it, you're going to get less yards when you're facing better competition. But you're still going to be able to hit more than not because you're able to see the hole and explode through it. I don't so it, obviously, when you face lesser competition, you're going to have more success. And that's normal. But you, when you have the traits, you have to have good vision. And the explosiveness is more important than deep speed. Both Wang Wu and Chandler have both. Madison really doesn't have either. And that's why, for me, 
they were big winners, and Madison is hurting because it, even though he's had success, he's never been good enough to really be considered a true starter for this franchise. Obviously, it helps or hurts him when you have Dalvin Cook. But at the end of the day, you're talking about a guy who can't see in front of him and utilize holes. And in a wide zone, vision's everything. You can have all the talent in the world. If you can't see, it doesn't matter because you have to be able to see and react quickly. That's the style of the one-cut back. Madison really doesn't have that. And because he doesn't have that, and the two guys behind him do, it's a real conversation moving forward. I agree there. And I think it was Arif Hassan who said, uh, Nwangu, when talking about Nwangu versus Chandler, both played outstanding. And uh, especially when you get a Chandler's kick return. That Nwangu is a little bit more slippery and could get through tackles, slip tackles, better than Chandler did, which is fine. Chandler got 10 yards per carry. You can't beat that with a stick. Mm -hmm. But that's not something we think of when we think of Alexander Madison. Madison only played, what, one series? I missed the very beginning. But it wasn't that I think he played the first two, but he did not play a lot. He, and he didn't do well in those. And when Wangu came in, how many of the ones were still in, right? Of that, the same that were that went against Madison. That to me was more of an indicator than what Madison did. And I do believe that because in this case, the running back room suffers from, you know a wealth of riches, which is nothing wrong mm-hmm. with. Let's keep it that way. But I do believe Madison being in his last year's contract, being a good backup, I'm not saying he's a bad backup, he's a good backup. And he's come in and played for Cook when Cook is out, and he's generated 100-yard games. But he's not the same. He doesn't have that, as our buddy Drewster says, that ability to take it to the house on any play. That's not Madison. He has the ability to take it for 25 yards, right? But not to the house. He doesn't have that dynamicism, and I probably said that wrong, um, that Cook has or that Nwangu and now Chandler look like they have. So to me, that means Madison could very well be expendable. Could it be used in trade mm-hmm. bait to get something else we want, like a backup center or whatever? Sure. But we'll have to see. We'll, we'll have to see how it hashes out over the next two games. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, Dave, I want you to uh, go in your Twitter DMs and check because there's something I want, I want you to share with the class here as we continue to talk about um, Alexander Madison. Um Luke Braun, friend of the show, host of Lockdown Vikings, went through the All-22, which unfortunately I'm still trying to acquire, um, and uh, posted this still shot of Madison and asked, where does this run go? And Dave's hopefully going to have it up here in a second. I know you are, and and you're good at this. So I'm going to take a quick sip and give you some time. And what's really important about this tweet and this still image is really the epitome of what Alexander Madison is. And that's why uh, we're, I'm trying to stall a little bit so we can get this up. And I want everybody to be able to take a look and see. Because Madison 
at the Seattle game is honestly peak for Alexander Madison. If he just sees, oh, I can just go to the outside, get three yards, and we have a victory. But instead, he chooses to just push right behind the right tackle, and then all of a sudden he's still short. So that's kind of what we're looking at here. And this tweet is going to show another aspect of his lack of vision and why I think that he could be on the chopping block considering his contract situation. All right. Which way did he go? Here's the picture. All right. So you see Madison. He's got the ball. He's in the middle of a gaping hole. In theory, Madison should just continue veering off just a tiny bit to the right and keep going straight. Unfortunately, no. That's where his blockers are. He decides to bounce it back to the left around Derisaw, completely ruining his leverage because what Derisaw has right here is he's blocking 94. He has a seal block, and he's sealing off the lane and alley for Madison to just run straight through. But because Madison decides to go around, oh, I'm trying to go this way, and you're trying to keep me from going that way. So all of a sudden, 94 can just go over and make the tackle. This is the issue with Alexander Madison. It's been consistent throughout his three years. Has he had success in the opportunities that he's been given because Dalvin Cook's been injured? Absolutely. Has he been good? Yes. Is he ever going to get better than he is now? No. And I think the dynamic skill set of Ty Chandler and Kane Wangwu offer more excitement. And when you talk about a team that's going to carry six, potentially seven wide receivers, considering special teams, and what they try to do on offense, playing a lot of 11 personnel, you're not going to keep five running backs because C.J. Ham is almost a given to keep on this roster, especially with the lack of tight end depth. Madison yeah. all of a sudden potentially becomes expendable. I'm still looking at this with this picture in awe. And like I said, it's I missed wild. the first couple series uh, mm-hmm. messing with my NFL login. Thank you, NFL Network. Um, yep. Are you telling me he did not run up the middle, which shows a clear seven yards worth of gain before likely getting tackled whatsoever or close to it? He cut, at this point, he cut to his left to go around Derisaw? Yeah. Why? Dave, he did not take the alley literally right in front of him. That he went is, around. It's big enough to drive a pickup through. That as was the hole in front of him when you talk about that Seattle Seahawks game in 2020. That's the issue with Madison. It's not going away. It's been there forever. It's not going to get better. Mm, and that's okay. why he's, in my opinion, he should be at risk of losing his spot on the roster. Because you can save cap space by cutting him. You're not going to be hindered at all with dead cap. I'm going to pull that up with over the cap kind of while I talk because it's it's an interesting talking point. And I really think that Madison needs to be concerned. Alexander Madison, if you cut him, you're looking at $205,000 in dead cap, a $965,000 savings. Mm-hmm. His cap hit this year is $1.17 million. Now, we're going to go to Ty Chandler, the guy who would take his place. Ty Chandler's cap hit is $779,000. So if you look at these two individuals and you're talking about 
hey, I have them equal. Everything's equal about them, including their age, ironically, which is weird for a running back, but Ty Chandler did not get a ton of usage, so there isn't a lot of tread on the tires. If you look at them and say, hey, we have to keep one of these guys, but we don't know who to keep, what's the first thing, two things you're going to look at, Dave? You're going to look at age, and you're going to look at money. Madison and Chandler tie in age. Madison loses in money by a couple hundred thousand dollars. And considering you have to incorporate practice squad and in-season transactions for the salary cap, Madison could easily be out of a job here. And it needs to be a real conversation. And for as much as we respect Matthew Collar on the show, I I completely disagree with him because oh, it, unless, unless not he knows, right all the time, just ask his wife. I know. <laughs> Ask my wife. She'll tell you the same thing. Love her to death. But what can you say? So this is one of those things where it needs to be a real conversation. In the own, and especially with a new regime, Dave, they have no attachment to Alexander Madison. They have no attachment to any of these guys except potentially Kirk Cousins and Johnny Munt. Like, well, I would it. like to. I would like to see because we are. Rich at the running back position. Mm-hmm. If I'd like to know if Quasi floats out, you know, a player trade that includes Madison. We don't need future draft picks, um, preferably. But if he can get, you know, close to a decent trade value, somebody that needs it. Now they may have to wait till closer to the beginning of the season and hope some team loses their, you know, a running back that they need Madison. But who knows? Or, you know, they may get to the end and just say, hey, sorry, we're going to save the money. Nice to know you. But who knows? Who knows? We'll watch. We still have two more preseason games plus the practices on uh, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday of this week against – Mm -hmm. The Niners. And what's really curious about that is if he has a good week of practice, maybe the 49ers decide to take a shot on him because Elijah Mitchell is going to be out for the entire preseason with a soft tissue injury. Darian Davis-Price is a third-round pick this year. But their third-round pick last year didn't do anything. Trey Sermon basically got in the doghouse right away, and Mitchell was able to take that job over. He could potentially be trying out for the Niners. Ah. Preseason, you're trying out for everybody. So it's incredibly important that you play as well as you can. Let's move on to um, the biggest loser of the week, Dave. And that is your best friend, Sean Mannion. He looked like he didn't belong on a football field. He was not just bad. He was atrocious. He was making poor throws, poor decisions, not really moving in the pocket well. I mean, we kind of knew he was a statue, but he was just downright bad, Dave. And this is something that we've known for a long time. He was hired explicitly to be Kirk Cousins' clipboard holder. Well, if he's that good as a clipboard holder, which, as we heard last night on the um, postgame show with Flip Mozzie, is he really that good at being a clipboard holder? Like, there's a real question he's not. And, like, if he's that good at it, cut him. Give him $400,000 and tell him, hey, you're a new quarterback assistant. Okay, done. Like, yeah, or you're Kirk Cousins' teddy bear. 
Yes, fine. Yeah. Good. Do it that way. And at the end of the day, that kind of means Kellen Mond's a winner, right? Because Mannion was so bad that Kellen Mond looked good. And I'll be honest, I don't think Kellen Mond was that good. The, the man is such a slow processor. You got the Kalamon experience with that scramble and throw away in the back of the end zone last night. You saw Which the scramble lot. was Tarkin-esque. That was sweet. Yep. The decision to throw one to the receiver that was open or towards the receiver that was open in the back of the end zone who probably stepped out, so it would have been called back. He sailed it. It was high, and he tends to can do that. The correct response mm-hmm. was the receiver that was open on the right side of the end zone with no defender in front of him or you know within like five yards. He missed that decision-making. Now, is that because of youth? Yes, his processing is slow. Can that be coached up? I think no. to some extent it can. It just- Dave, I really don't think so. And I- I'm sorry to interrupt, but... This is this was the issue with drafting Mon in the first place. You saw the scramble ability. He has a decent arm. He can make all the throws. The problem is he was a four-year starter at Texas A&M. In the SEC West, he played Alabama every year, LSU every year, Auburn every year, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. He played powerhouse teams. He never got better. He never yeah. improved. But he, he didn't you have know Kevin why? O'Connell as the quarterback whisperer. Oh, I'm sorry. He had Jimbo Fisher for two years. Jimbo Fisher cranked out Jameis Winston, a number one overall pick. Won a national championship with Jameis Winston. All right? I'm sorry. I'm not using that as an excuse. Kellen Mond, between the ears, does not have it when it comes to seeing a football field. And he doesn't have it when making quick, confident decisions. And it shows. When a guy is wide open, Dave, he makes the throw. He cannot throw with anticipation. He cannot throw a guy open. And he struggles oh, to do some of those basic things. That uh, that throw to the um, kid from Miami, I forget his name. In the he was zone. already open. He didn't throw him Over open. the top was a sweet timing pass, right? Yes, it's it was. In, and, in and, the bucket, in the corner, right? That was a sweet timing pass. He did that perfectly. Um Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong with that. But did no. did Kellen Mond – all right, we already know Mannion played like garbage, in our opinion, Yes, right? And wholeheartedly, he played like garbage. Did Mond – we've been talking all preseason that neither of them um, should make the team. They haven't shown enough in practice from what is being reported. Now, did Mond take enough steps? steps in the game yesterday to secure himself a spot on the 53, even if it's as the third quarterback and QB2 comes from someplace else. I think Mon is going to make this team because he's cheap. And unless you have a guy that becomes available, and usually there's a backup quarterback that's good that becomes available. I don't know if if Case Keenum's Keenan Keenum becomes available, I'll take him. Um, so I, I want to respond to Daniel's comment, and it's in turn respond to your yours, Dave. The sl- the two touchdown passes were one in rhythm, two his first read. 
He can do those things. But in reality, every quarterback that plays in the NFL can do those things. They can do the first read in rhythm, make a capable NFL throw. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about doing the stuff that makes you a starting quarterback in this league. Throw with anticipation. Have chemistry enough to be able to throw guys open. Hey, if if there is a defender draped all over Albert Wilson, does he have the confidence to lay it out to the back corner of the end zone and make a contested catch style throw? I don't think so. Those are the, the little nuanced things that separate him from being a starter, a starting caliber quarterback. I really don't think he has it in him. And he proved to me yesterday, even with the good, because the good was good. And it showed that he could be a relatively capable backup. I don't think he will ever develop like the hope was initially. And I think that's the bigger root issue here. If Kirk Cousins goes on for six weeks, do you trust Calamon to win three games? I give him a whole lot better chance of winning games than I do. That's not the question. I think that. Dave, I think that's a given. But my question for you is, do you trust him to win three out of six? No, that's where I've talked about we need to look outside for a different quarterback. Bingo. That's where I'm at, too. I think if you have a guy like Case Keenan who becomes available, hell, I would take Mason Rudolph over Kellen Mond. Mason Rudolph has his issues, but I think he can win more games than Kellen Mond given the same situation. Well, you saw the show on Sunday, the pregame show with Darren and I. We went over every possible good, decent backup quarterback possibility that's available in the league. And Dave, I, I think that was a great segment. Do you um, do you have that list in front of you? I can look it up real quick. Yeah. Well, while you do that, I'll kind of keep talking about Mond, and I, I think one of the reasons that makes Mond a, a draw for this football team the contract he's cheap he's built in cheap and i'll pull up his over the cap is over the cap's not going to be too much different from what alexander madison is because well he's only a third rounder he's a high third rounder so his cap hit this year 1.187 million if you cut him you only save three hundred eighteen thousand dollars this year in 2024, the cap is probably going to be around $250 million. $1.66 million. You're not talking about a guy who's going to make a ton of money. And that is a draw, especially at the quarterback position. That was one of the reasons why the Vikings took a chance on him. I will still fight that they should have taken Davis Mills in that spot. And I, I'm okay living on an island. Um, Raymond but- says... Uh- Training. Question on training. A leader's supposed to train so they can do what they're supposed to, right? Doesn't always work. And mm-hmm. GMAC, I think it was, said earlier that uh, I'm looking for it real quick. Scroll, mm-hmm. scroll, scroll. Uh, I missed it. Um, so let me respond about, to Raymond quick. Something about his, he got better and better, even though it was slowly incrementally over co- during his college years, could that be that he's just a relatively slow learner, but he right now is adequate enough to be on the roster 
We'll watch what he does in the next two weeks to see if he takes steps. Mm-hmm. Now, the question whether he's good enough to be a backup or not, that's a different story. He may not be there yet. Um, mm-hmm. And I think both you and I agree he's not there yet. But can yeah. he, if he's taking steps forward, if he's improving slightly, does that not make the minimal investment you have in him, a third rounder, worth it at least to see for a little while? I think so. I want to respond to Raymond's question, though, because, Dave, I, I see where he's coming from. You, Dave, served in the military, and I am forever grateful for what you did for this country. But I'll say this. On the battlefield and in military training is 100% different from the football field. In this, as- in this aspect, you are making a choice to go in the military, and when you're in boot camp, you kind of get rewired a little bit. And please correct me if I'm wrong in this, because I am not a military guy, but I I understand basic concepts. Um, In football, you have been doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again to a point where it's so repetitive that if you want to change your arm mechanics, you have to like throw like 10,000 footballs in order to alter that. Well, most of the time... You you get... Training is where you get rid of bad habits and learn and ingrain new good habits. There was okay. at the beginning of this season sometime where the coaching staff had talked about how Kellen Mond's throwing motion was all wanky and was not good and his decision-making wasn't good. They were going to rebuild that. So we saw some of the deals. It takes time to rebuild it. We associate it with golf. Right and kicking. If you want to, yeah. tr- if you want to change your swing, you're going out to the driving range. You may hit 200 slices, right? But if that's in the process of trying to train your body and your brain and your muscle movement in a certain way, so that you can fix it, you do that. I think he's in that process. I think O'Connell has him in that process of rewriting what he did in college versus what is required in the pros. I'm willing to give him time on that. What we saw late in yesterday's game, now in the first half of the game, he wasn't spectacular. He was better when the competition got diminished and they were playing the twos, threes, and fours, right? As long as as the game went further on, the better he got, the more in rhythm he got, the more he set. That, to me, is part of that repetition. It's part of, in the military, if we're going to the range, to shoot M16s or M4s, right? We're going to sit there and we're going to start out at the very beginning. We learn all about the weapon. We learn how to tear it down. We learn how to clean it. We learn how to put it back together. We do that in our blindfold. And before we even get the opportunity to shoot, we learn all about it. And we, you know, any preconception we had before, we ditch those for what is now. And then we get out there And we go through the motions. We go through the different positions for shooting. We go through the different techniques on how to sight down the barrel. We we do all those things, and we ingrain the good habits into us, and we do it repetition after repetition after repetition, and we go down again to the range, you know, at least once a month. We practice. We do this. We do that. I think Mond is in that stage where he is been 
basically torn down on what he did, and he's he's being built rebuilt back up. And it was the second half of that game when he started settling in, and s- things seemed to do better. He's got a strong arm, but he tends to sail the ball, right? If he can get that tuned in, if O'Connell, who we hired because he's an offensive guy, can yeah. tune him in, then the Vikings made the best of a bad situation. Because I, under the previous administration, I don't think it would go on anyway. But I do believe because of the progress we saw, even if it was in the end of the last game, He's basically earned his right to be on a 53-man roster. Do I want him as QB2? No. I wanted others. You wanted me to look up the names? I've looked up the names. I've got them here. Brian Hoyer of the Patriots, if they let him go. Because mm-hmm. uh, Frank Zappa, Bailey Zappi, was, to me, I thought pretty good on the weekend. Right? My Your heart, guy. Bailey Zappi. I love him. Um you have Gardner Minshew, who we'd all love because just for the pure attitude and showmanship of Gardner Minshew. From Should Eagles. I take my hat and flow the locks a little bit just in honor <laughs> of Gardner Minshew? Uh, even Taylor Heineke, not that I believe the, the Washington uh, commanders are going to get rid of him because I don't think they trust Carson Wentz to be um, healthy the whole time. Why would you? I know. Nick Foles of the Colts, if uh, they're good enough with their third guy. You have uh, Mason Rudolph, as you mentioned, if they're happy with Mitch Trubisky and Kitty Pickett, which they may be. That's not a bad deal. Uh, we came up to everybody's dream spot is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, because obviously he's on the same level as Kirk Cousins. Uh, depending on how you view that, but he's not available presently. If the 49ers release him, he becomes a free agent and then doesn't cost much because the 49ers are paying a big chunk of his money. And then the last one who Score North has advocated for and makes sense because he played on the Rams, already knows the system, and is presently a free agent. And I'm surprised the Vikings haven't brought him in to kick the tires Check the oil is Blake Bortles. Any of those guys would be better than Sean Mannion. Interesting, Dave. Hmm. Um, no, I'm thinking here. There's a couple that I like, but in all honesty, those would all be better than mine. And I'll say this. I disagree with the premise that I think – Kellen Mond can learn how to process that much quicker and grow inherently more than we've seen him because he really didn't grow that much at all from his uh, freshman year at Texas A&M until now in that department. Will I completely shut the door on him figuring it out and growing? No. I will give him a fair shake throughout the rest of the preseason. I'm just telling you what I know and what I see. And what I know and see right now is he's not it. He'll never be it, and the only reason you keep him is because he's an inexpensive backup. And somebody, I think it was Dave, or Daniel in the chat asked, Ponder or Mond? Well, you take you already know what Ponder is 100%. Mond at least has a little bit of mystery. So you take Mond. But I, I, well, you're it's, not a, 
It's that's, not great. You're a reporter. That's how you make your money. So you want to report what you see. Mm-hmm. And if you see Ma not, you know, up to speed, then that's what you report. Judd reports that way. Um, but once you get into commentary, which is what I've done for two decades, over two decades, is that I can take that and then say, yeah, but I'm seeing some other things and these other influences may do it so that in the future, be it Wednesday and Thursday, Saturday, a week from Saturday, we see a little bit of progression. And then once we get down to 53, we may see him kept on the squad as the QB3. That's Mm -hmm. my purview. Your purview is this is what we see. We're not seeing a whole lot of change. Don't expect much. And that's what we want from a reporter. Mm-hmm. It's it's tough, but I do think that he he's a good enough value unless you find a significant upgrade to be able to keep that QB3 or that QB2 spot. But if you re- are really continuing to be all in, you have to upgrade that spot. Like it really depends on your mindset. Are you okay if if Kirk Cousins tears his ACL week four, are you okay with Cal Oman starting 13 games? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And honestly, for his development, it might be the best opportunity because then you're going to find, hey, you have the first team offense. It is your show. Sink or swim. You know, we can see on that. But we need to continue on because we've already been going for 35 minutes and we've only gone through two winners and losers. So we're, oh, I don't either. I could talk about this all day. So the next winner, Dave, Brian Asamoa, linebacker, third-round pick. I was not a big fan of it at the time. And I thought that, I'm like, really? We're going to get, like, a money backer? Like, like what? what's kind of the thinking here? And we're starting to see the thinking. Because what Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, albeit with Rick Spielman's scouting staff, what he prioritized was quickness explosiveness that 10 yard split Asamoah I believe is in the 98th percentile in 10 yard split he exploded multiple times on Sunday exploded through so well on a fourth down he completely altered the running backs course and they ended up getting a first down he had two plays later on that drive one on a on a trap pitch where he er, pinch and pull I think is what it pin and pull that's what the concept is called. And Asamoa is standing uh, essentially on the second level in the in the A-gap on the right side. The pin and pull is to the left. He explodes all the way through and gets a tackle for loss. That's some next-level stuff. He has the athleticism to be able to take advantage of those situations. He needs to figure out the rest of the game. He needs to be mentally sound. He needs to learn how to shed blocks a little better. Understand rushing lanes just a, just a, in a little bit of a smarter manner. You see the canvas. The canvas is great. He is a modern-day linebacker with quickness, explosive twitch, and he's going to be able to do a lot of different things. Yeah. I think that he's going to need time, Dave. He need, More he quasi-safety linebacker type of guy. Yep. He, 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 need- he had some great plays. He had some other ones where, like I said yesterday, he got swallowed up on one that I saw. But there's other ones that just – the instinct and seeing what's going on and the speed to get there and blow it up 
good tackling. I just, I think Asamoa, Asamoa will beat Troy Die out for that third linebacker or the backup linebacker spot um, when it comes to this team. Because I think he already did. I think when it comes to losers, Troy Die, even though he played a boatload of snaps yesterday, and I don't understand why, wasn't that great. So, Asamoah, I look forward to seeing it. This is, remember, folks, he's a rookie. This was his first game, and there were signs of just absolute brilliance there. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about another draft pick who I didn't write about, but deserves the praise. Dave, I want you to get your big round belly out because we are going to talk about Ed Ingram. I know it's a little bit of a sore subject because we know about what his past is, but on the field, Ed Ingram was a machine. He was not getting pushback and pass protection. He was looking for work in run blocking. And one of the issues that with Ed Ingram that you're going to see, he gets a little too anxious and over-aggressive in trying to find that work. Sometimes he over-pursues. And he showed that a couple times last night. If he can play a little more calm, calculated and within himself, you can see a guy will be able to take things to another level. And he was the best interior offensive lineman for the Vikings yesterday. Jesse Davis had a pass blocking grade of Dave, 4.7. Dave, Jesse Davis, the traffic cone. We're going to call him Jesse, the traffic cone Davis from now on. 4.7 pass blocking grade. Gross. He was everything that every <laughs> Dolphins person I talked to That's a compliment. was telling me. Yeah, traffic cone, bad, B-A-D, bad. Ed Ingram, we're like, look, we finally found a right guard that we think can play, and he's got a checker pass. That's like the most thing of all time. Now, yeah. how long has it been since we've had a right guard that can play? Uh, if you don't count the Joe Berger <laughs> year, I don't it's know, you're talking like 2010? Time. We're talking yeah. Steve Hutchinson era. Well, Hutchinson played left guard. It's a long yeah, I time. I can't remember who he had opposite him, but they had good players there. Like right. Anthony Herrera was a very serviceable player, and that's all we're asking for. We're asking for another Anthony Herrera. Be good. Be okay. You don't have to be great. Just be average. That's all I, like I want. Brian's answer. David Dixon. David. Oh, David Dixon. You are probably dude. correct. Um, that might be the last time we had a consistent right guard. Yeah, um, it's been a we, long at least time. we had we've had some left guards, have, but right. Oh yeah. Mm-mm-mm. All right, we're gonna move on to the next guy because I want to talk about him, and then we're gonna get to Kirk Cousins. Oh wait a minute, I said second best in the league, second per PFF scoring players that played a minimum thirty snaps. Ed Ingram was second highest rated out of the entire NFL in week one of the preseason. Dave, I'll repeat God that. God bless America. Second highest rated out of the entire NFL on week one. And he's a rookie. He should easily win that starting job and be starting come September. Bingo, bango, bongo. But we're going to talk about a guy who was not good. And this is going to come as a little bit of a shock, but if you read my Vikings Wire piece, you're, yeah, you're, you'll know. DJ Wanham, 
we've heard reports. Um, friend of the show, Arif Asana, said he has looked much better in camp. He, he looks like he belongs. The problem was, like, last night, he looked like he did last year. A guy who just ran right at the tackle, did not really have a pass rush plan, did not have a cohesive move set, was not utilizing counters. He just kind of, hey, I'm just going to ram into you and hope it works. Or he got a, a beautiful stunt where he was able to get an easy pressure. We're not. I'm not seeing the development here. And maybe well, it's something where I haven't been to training camp and I haven't seen a lot of the nuance. I did not see any form of development or growth from last season. And last year, I thought he was the luckiest guy to ever get eight sacks. Yeah, because a lot of them he didn't really do anything there. to get the eight sacks. Because yeah, he, he got didn't have lucky. a whole lot of pressures, but he got lucked into the sacks. Yeah, DJ Wanham hopefully has improved. Uh, what I saw, I saw him get by a tackle once, and then just sort of stand there and look. What do I do next? Mm-hmm. And it's just no edge rushers all the way up the chain from pop corner mm-hmm. up. You're taught you take the quarterback. Take the quarterback. Take the, it doesn't matter. Take the quarterback mm-hmm. unless you have some sort of pass responsibility, which there are exceptions to that. Yeah, you see the back going in front of your face or behind you into the flat. You you might go out with him, but otherwise, it's you hit the quarterback. You go for the quarterback. You you want mm-hmm. to get in the quarterback's head that you're there, even if it's you run up to him and stop and blow him a kiss. You got to get into football. Part of football is mental. Right, if you can get yep. into their head, you can defeat them easily. I don't see that with Wanham yet. I do think he's adequate. I'm not disappointed that he's on the team. He is better. He's better than other players at that position across the league. Do I think he should start? No, absolutely not. But am I okay with him right now as it sits on the second string? Yeah, I'm okay. We have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's other guys fighting and nipping at his heels. So I think actually, Jones. I, think, I think we're decent in the edge realm um, going into the season. And I'm okay with that right now because we know as soon as the games count, it's going to be Smith and Hunter, right? And as long as they stay healthy, they're not coming off the field. It's going to be Smith and Hunter. Period. And mm-hmm. you got the two of the best edge rushers in the business and that pairing. So I'm not I'm not as down on D- DJ Wanham as you are. He's got his spot on the team. I don't think it's in danger. I think I'm cool with where he's going. He's taking those slow improvement steps just like Mond is. I he's just cheap. wish we Yes, he is cheap. I'm not saying we should be resigning him, but he's cheap now. We should be seeing more at this point. And to me, that's the most frustrating part. We should be seeing more. And we're just not. Patrick Jones, um, Luke Braun, who I mentioned earlier, he and I were talking about Jones. And I was struggling with Jones. I'm like, man, is this guy any good? Like, And he pointed something out to me that when I went back and watched the tape, really resonated and made a lot of sense. Jones has four pass rush moves. Uh, this is coming out of college. Now, we're all at about 30%. He doesn't really know how to use any of them, but he can do all of them. And I looked back. I'm like, okay. So I looked for it, 
And I saw it like he could do a bunch of different things, but he wasn't really good at anything. And I think that was the draw with him because he had the length, he had the size, and he had the ability to do a lot of different things. Now, can you grow and get that better? And I think that he showed this past weekend that he could. He led the team with five pressures. He was doing a lot of different things. He did blow a couple of really bad run assignments, including that Jared Stidham touchdown run in the second quarter. But as just as a pass rusher, I thought that he was much improved, and this is a guy that I want to see rotating in um, throughout the course of the season. Um, Wanham, I didn't see that, and I want to see more. I want to see Wanham grow and develop and be better. We all want that. We're, we're, we're not talking about these guys like we want them to stink. We want them to be better. We're just being honest. I want to see more from Wanham. I want to see from Wanham what we saw from Patrick Jones. If we can get that, then we're sitting in a good spot. Um, Joseph, Wyatt Davis, pardon my French, I don't fucking know. I don't get it. I don't understand how we went from being that good to all of a sudden being an absolute dumpster fire as far as his performance on the field. It doesn't make sense. We know that there were some issues um, in training camp last year with his weight. Um, I've heard rumblings of off-the-field issues. But at the same time, you saw how good he was in the Big Ten consistently. Two-time All-American. And he was like, supposedly you're talk- working out with an offensive line specialist this summer. But mm-hmm. it's I don't, nothing seems to be sticking. And I don't get it. Come tomorrow, he may be one of those five, first five that is released. It wouldn't shock me. And it's tough because he was a third-round pick last year, which I thought at the time was a value because if he would have come out after 2019 in the 2020 draft. He would have been a first-rounder. Yep. First-round pick. And if and maybe early second because he plays guard. But that's how everybody valued him. He was valued that highly by the community. I don't know what happened. Now, we're going to find more out uh, as soon as, like, the second his Vikings tenure is done. Because they're not going to want to trash a guy that's here. But you're going to start hearing rumblings about it. And I'm very intrigued to hear what those rumblings are. Dave, we talked about the preseason game. We have San Francisco this week, including joint practices. And we are going to be talking about that all throughout the week. But we're going to talk about Kirk Cousins right now. Everybody's favorite topic in Vikings land. And everybody knows how I feel about Kirk Cousins. And he finished 99th out of 100 in the NFL Top 100. He was selected 99th. Mm-hmm. And GMAC, yes. Yep. I remember. Yeah, we're gonna make we're gonna make fun of Ted for both Elf Elfline and Davis. Don't you worry, especially because he makes fun of my beer selection. <laughs> well deserved fun. Yeah. And Kirk Cousins at 99 makes some sense. And I'll tell you why. He's between at any given week, QB eight and QB fifteen. I think if you average it out, he's between 11 and 15. Mm-hmm. And I think when you talk about QB 11 to 15, that's not an unfair spot. If he didn't make the top 100, I wouldn't have been offended because he's between 11 and 15. Now, I the players vote on this. This season, but okay. Yep. Next year, he will. he should be a bunch higher. He should be because of the offense that he's going to be playing in and how they're going to be utilizing this team. But considering the season he was coming off of and how 
His struggles directly equated to losses. The Vikings allowed 128 points in the last two minutes of the halves. Over a third of those points came directly off of an offensive three and out. That's on Kirk Cousins, man. You, like, you, you can't spin that. That's on Kirk. He put the defense in a situation where they had to deal with it, and he could have stopped it. He could have. Oh, they could blame it on the play calling he, as well. Yep, and you know what? If he if he duplicates that performance again this year, I get a Barry Kirk, and it's all Kirk's fault because the play calling changed. They improved yeah, the offensive and, and line. That's, and that's why this season there's no excuse for Kirk. They he's got mm-hmm. the he's got the modern offense. He's got a coach that believes in him, a coach he's worked with before. He's he's learning the concepts as he says. Now, most concepts are always the same, it's just how we name it. Right, but there's a few tweaks and a little bit there, and he's learning. Hey, my progressions, rather than look here, check, you know, go down next two, three, four. Now it's O'Connell wants him look here, even if there's a chance the window throw the ball, type stuff. He's learning that. Mm-hmm. I suspect he will be much better this season, and this season is the no excuse season for him. Yep, he's got everything he now wants. Right there's, there's nothing more. And if you start blaming the old line again, sorry, they're improving. They're working and improving the old line. And as I quoted this week, uh, PFF wrote last week that this may be the best old line he's ever played with. So he's got to step up. Willie, I think so. I hope so. I don't want to see a 500 season. I don't want to go eight eight and one and tie with. Detroit Lions. I want to see a 12 win season. Can he do it? Yeah. I hope so. And we'll see the first first parts of that this week on those on the joint practices against San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Cuz I don't think we're going to see a lot of him in the San Francisco game preseason 2. I, but I do I think, think we will. We're going to see more on Wednesday and Thursday. I think we're going to see a decent amount of Kirk Cousins on, on Saturday afternoon, and here's why. The pre- second preseason game becomes the de facto third preseason game in the four-game format. I think we're going to see a decent amount of the starters. They're going to get some run in this new offense and get a little more comfortable. I think we're going to see them into the second quarter, and then they're going to pull them. That's my opinion. Kevin O'Connell may decide, no, I don't want them playing at all. Deal with it. Kind of like what we saw with Adrian Peterson after the ACL injury. But I think we're going to see a bunch. And I want to keep talking about this Kirk Cousins exactly thing. because, Brian. Yep. Um, yeah. He's got to step up. No excuses. This will not be an avenue for Kirk Cousins' excuses. He's He's got everything he needs. Figure it out. If you can't figure it out, you're not worth the money you're being paid. It's that simple. And part of the NFL Top 100, which is voted on by the players, and there's some issues with how some of the players. It's uh, a popularity contest. It's no it different than the modern day Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Ray, hey, Dave, I want you to pull this comment up from Raymond. It's about five comments back. Um, it's. I think that I think this is important to talk about as we continue this Kirk Cousins conversation. If he balls out and does better, I will give him credit. I will. Because you know what? 
He got everything that was an issue was fixed. And if he figures it out, he will get all the credit in the world for me. I don't know if that's going to happen. And I'm going off of what I currently know. What I currently know is I have reservations about him being able to do a Matthew Stafford. Because Kirk has had good situations. Whether you dislike the play calling, whether you dislike Zimmer, both are very fair. The offensive line play has not been great. He also was had elite skill players around him and didn't play for the Detroit Lions. He also had multiple top 10 defenses. Like We're talking about a player who had things around him and still couldn't do it. If he does it this year, Raymond, you will see me eating crow, and I will give him all the credit he deserves. But and like on the flip I said, side, if he because, wins the Super Bowl, I'll help design the statue. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, Raymond, you're going to get what you always get from me. I'm just going to tell you what I think, and I'm going to give you reasons why I think it. And it's okay if you disagree with me. That's great. That's what makes these shows fun because I, I look at the comments, and you some of you guys agree with me. Some of you disagree. Sometimes it's a unanimous either way. And I think that's awesome because we can play off each other and we can have a good conversation about these things. And then when you guys drop in comments like Raymond just did, I, that just makes the show better. So I thank you. Keep hitting like and subscribe and help us grow the network. But last part about Kirk Cousins in this top 100 list. Justin Tucker, arguably the best kicker of all time at 96. Don't have an issue with it. The greatest kicker of all time being better than an average to slightly above average NFL starting quarterback in 2022. I'm fine with that. I don't really have an issue. If you do. That's fine. Like, I don't think it's worth debating. It, it is what it is. The one I did have an issue with was Mac Jones. Mac Jones freaking stinks. I don't think he's any good. He has he has an absolute limp al dente pasta noodle for an arm. He can't make the requisite throws. Bill Belichick didn't even trust him to throw against Buffalo in wind. Popularity contest. What's I know, the market I know, I know. size of New York versus the market size of Minnesota? But it, but Dave, this is voted on by players. Still, not media. Still, I, I, I get it's that. It's a popularity contest. How it many is, players also- think you think like Kirk Cousins versus Mac Jones? Listen, listen. I- this is this is part of the sphere right now, and we're just going to have the conversation. I'm going to tell you what I think based on what the list is giving me. You're right, Dave. Well, let's get the content. So the one the one that was really contentious in my mentions on Twitter, which follow me at the Real Forno if you haven't. Let's have some conversations online. Was Derek Carr, and people were up in arms. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you think Derek Carr is better than Kirk Cousins. Well, one, I never said that. Two. There's an argument for it because you can say all you want about the on-sheet numbers. And Kirk Cousins is better than Derek Carr in a lot of them. But Kirk Cousins, in comparison to Derek Carr, has had inherently better situations. And let's just talk about last year, all right? Last year, Derek Carr's head coach, outed as a racist, fired, star wide receiver, Gets behind the wheel, drunk, kills two people. Cornerback, also a first-round pick the previous year, cut. Now, that doesn't directly affect uh, Derek Carr, but at the same time, it impacts the team. 
You talk about all these things, and then the injuries and atrocious performance by the O-line. Derek Carr still led that team. It felt like by himself to a playoff berth. He has that ability to put the team on his back and take them places. Now, there's an article from Mike Sander, The Athletic. I recommend you check it out. It came out a few weeks ago. 50 different NFL personnel all, all throughout the, the chain of command in the team ranking their quarterbacks based on tiers. Derek Carr was comfortably in Tier 2. He was at 12. Kirk Cousins was at 15 at the beginning of Tier 3. This, to me, was the most interesting part. This is what everybody talks about Kirk Cousins. But this is Derek Carr. A study conducted last season showed Carr getting worse support from his own defense and special teams than any of the 41 quarterbacks with at least three years as a start over the past decade. The Raiders during the past three seasons ranked 12th in offensive EPA, which I think you can credit a lot to Derek Carr, and 32nd in combined EPA and defense and special teams. The latter component explains why the team only has a 25-24 and 24 record during that span, despite good production from the quarterback. Derek Carr carried that team to a playoff berth. Kirk Cousins, does outside of maybe one or two games, does not carry the Vikings. In comparison, he is a guy who works here. That, that's Honestly, that's all I'm going to say about it. Carr is an easy target because he doesn't have some of the stats, but you have to contextualize everything and look what he's had around him, how big of a shit show the Raiders have been over the past 20 years since they made the Super Bowl with Rich Gannon. It's been bad. And it hasn't really gotten a whole lot better. Now it seems like it's on a good pace. I have no problem with Carr being ahead of Cousins. Would I rank Carr ahead of Cousins? I don't know. I haven't delved into it. Because quite frankly, I don't care. I think they're in the same tier. They are in the same tier, and I said that. They have plus or minuses and different, you know, personality... um, uh, categories, cars, the better, you know, alpha and come from behind type deal. Uh, mm-hmm. There's probably gets along better with his teammates, they, but they're in the same tier. All right, let's, let's talk to uh, three things real quick. And then we're going to get out of here because it is nine o'clock. Dan Henneman, great friend of the show. We appreciate you, Dan. Fourth quarter, two minutes left to take car over cousins, 113 times out of a hundred. I'll be honest, I probably do too, because I think I can trust Derek Carr. He has that he has that extra something in him that Kirk just doesn't have. And that's well, not necessarily a slight on Kirk. It's a positive on Carr. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Some of the greats didn't have it. Well, Carr think does. Of, think of some of the old quarterbacks the Vikings have had. They've had that attitude, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. That and and that wins games, believe it or not. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew, do you draft a quarterback in the first next year? Yeah. If you like a guy, you take him. And I think the Packers have shown that twice over the course of the last two decades. Aaron Rodgers, 2005, Jordan Love, 2020. If you like a guy, take him. Because you may not get a chance to take a guy that you like when you need one. Take the guy you like. It's really that simple. Lastly, Purple Haze. Who was Carr's OC? Who was Cousins' OC? Enough said. I don't know. After John Gruden got fired, they were about the same? Like, I don't really... Excuse me. I don't think that's a good argument. Like, 
Carr carried a team that was in complete disarray to a playoff berth. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins didn't. And mm-hmm. that's always been the biggest differ- differentiator between the two. You got the hiccups. I do have the hiccups, but my good Lake Monster Brew was able to kind of fix that. In the meantime, <laughs> that is the show. I want to greatly uh, appreciate and say thank you to everybody in the comments. Saying, you guys were awesome. You guys were continuing a good conversation in there, reacting to what Dave and I were saying, and we were able to interact with you guys. And honestly, that's one of the best things about what we do here. Um, make sure you check out our good friends at Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul. If you ever go to Blackstack, which is one of my favorite breweries, just down the street, check out Lake Monster. They are just as good, if not better. You can hit both spots up. Can-Can Wonderland's in the same area. That almost sounds Dave. like a brewery pub crawl. Bingo, bango, bongo. Like Lake Monster, great people, great beer, great atmosphere, and they have really good food trucks that park out front. You're going to have a good time. And tell them that we sent you. They will greatly appreciate it. In the meantime, we will be back next week, Dave. We will be talking about the after effects of that San Francisco 49ers game. Along with that, we're going to continue to progress throughout the season. We're going to talk a little bit more. Something we're trying to get to tonight. Talk about the over-under for the Vikings win total. It was a question that was asked of us yesterday. I said I was going to talk about it tonight. I apologize. There is still time to get those in. We will be talking about it next week. If it's nine and a half, I'm smashing the under, and we will break down why next week. Vikings are going to win more, baby. You know what? I hope so, but from a betting perspective, I'm not touching it either way. So in the meantime, thank you very much for joining us. For Dave, boom, I'm Tyler. And there's one thing that we like to say on these Mondays that we make purple, and that is Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.